Hey, good morning, church. I'm so happy to be with you this morning, even if it's just through uh, video and the internet. Uh, but isn't God good with technology that in the midst of basically the worst um, weekend as far as temperature goes in the history of Santa, we're still able to meet together um, this way and worship together. And I know that God is going to be with us, that God is going to bless us with our time. Um, he's going to bless us here as a church. So got a few announcements before we get started. First one, I hope that you saw the His School video right before I started uh, this one and that you were paying attention because we need you as sponsors, we need you as prayer partners, and we need you as financial givers. So if you would like to be involved in any of those ways, you can contact Karen Snow or Jen Colvin directly. And if you would like to give towards that ministry, whether it's for your child that you're sponsoring or a one-time donation or a many-time donation, you can go to fbcsanto.com slash give. Click on the drop-down menu and select His School, and we'll get you squared away right there. Um, next, you may have noticed through our church announcements recently, or from me bragging about it, but our church has hit the big time, and we are on iTunes. So wherever you access iTunes, whether it's on your iPhone through the podcast or whatever it is, you can search for First Baptist Church of Santo or FBC Santo, and you can find the audio from our sermons each week and from Mark Tackett's Bible study each week. And so... The plan is to have those at two at around 2 o'clock on Tuesdays each week. Um, that's the goal. Sometimes iTunes takes longer to process videos, but they should be at midweek anyways every single week. Before we get started, I think it's a good idea if we pray. Uh, God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for a chance to declare your word. Thank you for a chance um, to just honor your call to ministry and to teach your um, your grace to anybody that would hear it. God, I love you. I pray that you would speak through me, that you would be wor your words. And not mine. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So um, I, I've got a new found um, joy in my life. Uh, Riley has moved past the gymnastics and the dance phase, and she started playing hockey. And, and let me tell you, I am so proud of her. I have so much fun being on the ice with her. Um, and she's just learning so quickly and gaining new skills every week, and, and it's just a really cool thing, and, and I'm a very proud daddy. If you don't know much about me, you probably know that I'm a huge, huge hockey fan. I played hockey my whole life, um, and so it's really cool to see Riley follow in my footsteps. Um, but, it, but as it pertains to Scripture, it just really got me thinking about how much we are designed in the image of God, and Riley is very much designed in my image. I mean, she looks like me, maybe not as much as Lincoln, because Lincoln looks just like me, especially if you've seen some of my photos from when I was like a baby or a toddler. Same kid. But Riley behaves a lot like me. She's rash. She makes um, very, very loud statements all the time. Um, and she's very excitable and, and, and very, very proud to be a hockey player. But we, we were also designed in God's image. Genesis chapter 1, to the very, very beginning of the Bible, verse 26 and 27 says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish and the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Flip to Psalm 139, and it's got a very similar message about how we were created intently by God in his image. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16, says, You, God, made all the delicate inner parts of my body, and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. 
Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. Guys, we were created in the image of God to be his children, to be like him, to be loved by him. We were created to live alongside God in community with him. We see this from the very beginning in Genesis. Adam and Eve were created to be with God, to live with God, to walk with God, to know God, to dine with God. They were not created. Humans, we, were not created to know sin. God made that very clear in the very beginning of the Bible that we were not to know sin. He did not want us to know sin. He did not want us to know pain. And so if you're walking through a time in your life where you're going through that, you're walking through pain, you're walking through destruction, know that that's not from God. God wanted to protect us from that from the very beginning, and he put in motion a plan to do that very thing. We were created to live alongside God and in community with him. And we were created. Every molecule in our body was created intently by God, and he gave us his characteristics. Just like Lincoln and share some of my characteristics, we share God's characteristics because we were designed in his image. We were created to be loved. God created us with, with this natural desire and, and need to be loved by him, by other people. And likewise, we were created to then love him, to love other people. God set the example of family by creating us as his children. He is the father. We are the children. Jesus is the spouse. This is the model that, that, that God set up through scripture, through human history, that we were supposed to live out. And, and that correlates so perfectly with us as a family unit. If you, were, if you believe any of that, if you believe that you were designed and created by God, then you need to believe that you were created in his image, and then you must recognize the importance of family. I, I, I can't State this enough. You were given a great calling by being a husband. You were given a great calling by being a wife. You were given a great calling by being a mom or a dad or a grandparent. Because if there's one thing that I can share with you today is that the greatest calling on this planet, the greatest calling in your life outside of your relationship with Jesus is to your family. The birth um, of Isaac in Genesis chapter 21. Flip there with me. This is so cool. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. You see, Sarah and Abraham had been promised by God that they were going to have a child, but they're old, like really old, like almost 100. And God said, I know that you haven't had a child yet, but I promised you one a long, long time ago, and I'm going to honor that word. And so Sarah gets pregnant, and Abraham and Sarah have this baby boy she became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time that God had said it would. And Abraham names their son Isaac. Eight days later, Isaac was after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. Abraham was 100 years old when he was born. And Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter. All who hear about this will laugh with me. Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse a baby, yet I have given Abraham a son in his old age? The birth of Isaac, the call for Abraham and Sarah to be parents, was a dramatic one and a miraculous one and a great one. 
And that call exists for us too. If you have a child, the greatest call in your life outside of the one that God has given you to worship him and the one that God has given you to your spouse, the greatest call in your life is to be the very best, the most godly parent, the most loving parent, the most patient and forgiving parent that you could possibly be. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning is, is, is parenting and family. The Bible gave us a family unit model, and it gives us some instructions, the first of which is that family needs to be a non-negotiable priority in your faith. And I think sometimes we get so wrapped up, and I've got to have all of these things prioritized in my life, whether it's financial security, whether it's my role in my activity in church, or how I'm involved in my kids' sports, or how I'm involved in PTA, or how I'm working, how much I'm working, how much money I'm making for my family to make their lives better. But the Bible tells us that our, our main priority is specifically to the parent, to, to the family, to our kids that we're parents to. And that nothing that we do should ever come at the expense of that call. And here's some truths that go along with that. God will never tell you to walk away from your spouse for another. I, I've heard countless stories of, of people that are in unhappy marriages, right? And somebody will come up to a pastor or a friend and say, hey, I just I feel like God has called me to leave my wife, to leave my husband for another person. And the answer is, why, why would God present that person to me? Why would God want to take away joy if I'm unhappy now? And, and I'm going to clarify this right off the bat. Once you enter into a marriage covenant with a husband or a wife, there is no reason, no possibility that God would ever call you to walk away from that spouse. The Bible gives a couple reasons why you would. And there is some leniency there. But unless your spouse has, has cheated on you, and unless your spouse is physically or emotionally abusing you, God is never going to call you to walk away from your marriage. God is also never going to tell you to walk away from your children. I don't care if you're 50 years old and your kids are 25-year-old grumps making a ton of terrible decisions. The greatest call in your life is going to remain being a parent to that child as long as they live. That is your child. I know things get hard. You need to do your best to love them like Jesus loved you because I guarantee you that you are more of a problem um, than they are. And it definitely costs Jesus more than it's going to cost you. God will never... Ever, this is an important one, God will never tell you to put your job first before your family, even for a short time. Guys, dads especially, if your job is constantly taking you away for unreasonable amounts of time from your family, if your job is coming at the expense of your family, don't use financial security as an excuse to be away from your family. There are times where you, you have to go to work. I think culture and society will dictate that somewhere between 8 and 9 o'clock until the evening sometimes. But you need to remember that despite the fact that you need to have a job, that job is not your main priority. Your family is. God will never tell you to put your kids before your spouse. This one's super important. Your kids are very important. They're a great calling. I just said it. They're the third greatest calling in your life. Jesus, your spouse, your kids. God is never going to reverse that order. Your spouse cannot come before you and the Lord. And likewise, your kids cannot come between you and your spouse. There are times where that's really hard 
to kind of balance the scales there. But your spouse, the very representation of your relationship with Jesus, has to remain in its proper place. Your spouse is your spouse. Your kids are going to come, and they're going to go, and they're going to move out. And you're going to be with the spouse for the rest of your life. Remember that, guys. God will never tell you to put your church before your family. And this one's hard, too. We love serving in church. We love coming to church. We love being a part of the kingdom of God. But again, if our household is not in order, if our household is not our priority, how can we possibly expect to excel or to be effective in our ministry or in in our relationship with people at church? Your family has to come first. Husbands, you listening to me, guys, right here? Two eyes on me? Husbands, you need to lead well. Fathers, you need to lead well. And you may look at me and be like, John David, young buck, right? Hey, I'm almost 33 and I've been married for 10 years. Got a five-year-old daughter. I clearly know what I'm doing all the time. Um, Not really, but I do know this. You need to lead well. I need to lead well. So how do we do this? Lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the ways of the Lord. Trust in his word. I don't have answers, right? John David, apart from Jesus, is an idiot. And you can take that to the bank. Sharon's probably watched this and be like, yeah, he's an idiot. You've got to create a game plan, right? In every other aspect of our life, if we want to improve, if we want to excel, if you're an athlete, what do you do to make sure that you excel against an opponent? You have a game plan. You, you, you perform the way that you practice and, and you practice the way that you're planning. So you put a game plan together and you know how to do that as a parent, as a husband, you know how you game plan? You use scripture. God's word has everything that we need to, to, to be an effective husband and to be an, an effective parent. Check out the book of Psalms. Check out the book of Proverbs. They are so effective in giving us godly wisdom and and showing us some godly prayers and how to ask for help. Create a game plan from Scripture. And the next step there, and this is going to sound super corny, I know I'm going with the football analogies here, but this is Santo. You guys understand football, maybe not hockey so much. Allow the Holy Spirit to call the plays. You ever seen how quarterbacks in the NFL now um, have like these headsets in their helmet, and so they can get play calls straight from the bench through an earpiece in their helmet? Man, that, that, that really is what prayer is like, and, and that really is what it's like having the Holy Spirit with you at all times. Man, if you're in the middle of an argument with your five-year-old because they, they won't clean up, or, or you're this close to yelling at your teenager, remember, you've got an earpiece right there. You've got the Holy Spirit right there, right with you. And maybe we should be a little bit more patient, and, 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 and I'm guilty of this too. Maybe we shouldn't be so quick to yell. Maybe we shouldn't be so quick to just jump all over our kids and criticize what they're doing or to get onto them or to be over-disciplinary. Allow the Holy Spirit to call those shots. And there are times where they need to be disciplined. There are times where our kids need to be put in their place and they need to learn from their mistakes. But you know what? They're not perfect and we're not perfect. So sometimes there are positions in that relationship where we don't need to be too judgmental. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to show them love and grace and mercy through us 
Because that's what we would need. That's what we did need. And that's what Jesus gave us. So what it means to love like Jesus loved us, that means instead of jumping all over our kids, maybe we just love them. Use God's word like a QB's cheat sheet. You ever see a quarterback, not only does he have the earpiece, right? But they a lot of times they have this, this sleeve on their arm. And it's got a whole bunch of plays right here. God's word is the same thing. If you see Satan moving his army against you, you fight back with the word of God. Guys, listen up. I think it is way more common than we're going to admit that men struggle with depression, that men struggle with insecurity, that, that we don't have confidence as a husband or a father. And COVID and, and the loss of jobs and, and, and just fear has only made that so much worse. And so Satan's going to attack you and attack you and attack you with everything that he's got. The Bible tells us that we should fight back with God's word. That you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That God knows every detail of every moment, of every second of your life, and that he's promised victory through his son. So when Satan comes at you, you're like, hey, bud, no, idiot, moron. God tells me that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God tells me that I am going to be victorious. God tells me that I am his child and that he beats you. No, get out of here. Gone. Next. Be patient with your wife. And you guys know what I'm talking about. Sometimes our wives are annoying. Sometimes our wives nag. But the truth of the matter is, to them, all they're doing is expressing themselves. All they're doing is communicating with us. All they're doing is, is, is telling us that they need help, that they want help. Or maybe that they're just walking through something really hard. Be patient with your wife. Be patient with your, with your spouse. And, and likewise, be patient with your kids. It's hard. This one's way harder sometimes. But remember, the Lord has never not been patient with you. So be patient with your kids. Be present with your wife. Man, this one's hard. We're, we're all guilty of this. Man, we got these smartphones. What do we do? The moment we walk in the door, we plop our booties down on the couch and pull out our cell phone. And we do. We come home. We go to the bathroom. We're in there for 45 minutes to an hour. We come home. We go into the garage. We're in there for the rest of the evening. We go on a date with our wife. But we're not emotionally there. We're not mentally there. You're on your cell phone. But we need to be present with our wives. And, and, and there's not a ton of specific things to talk about there. I think this one's pretty self-explanatory. You need to be physically, emotionally, spiritually present with your wife. To be there with her. To live life with her. To stop being so isolated. And the same thing with your kids. This one's, this one's hard. We're tired. We get home from work and, and man, we, we don't really have energy. And so I, I was reading a book the other day and, and it gave two very, very good um, uh, tips on how to maintain this level of presence with our wife and with our kids. So when we walk in the front door, the first thing that we as husbands should ask our wives is, how can I help? 
What can I do? How can I serve? Because as hard as your day's been, you're not the only parent. Um, whether or not your wife is a stay-at-home mom or whether or not your wife is also employed, if your day's been hard if, because of whatever reason, whether or not your boss has been mean to you or your coworkers haven't been doing their jobs and you got to pick up slack or Satan's attacking you, let me tell you something. If Satan is attacking you, don't you think he's also attacking your spouse? Absolutely. So ask your wife how you can help. You're the leader of the household, remember? And then be present with your kids. So when you walk in that door, the first thing you need to do, if you've got little kids, man, just go give your kids a hug. Go tickle your kids. Go wrestle with your kids. Help them with their homework. There's time for you to sit on the couch and relax. But when we get home from work, we need to set that priority. We need to set the tone that we are home and that we are present. And then we need to make God's word a daily part of our family routine. <laughs> Who are we to, to expect that we can do a good job as a father or, or as a husband if God's word is not centralized in our home? If this is our playbook, if God's word is our playbook and we're not studying the playbook, how can we expect to be good at what we're doing? If a quarterback doesn't know the plays that the coach has drawn up, how in the world can he execute those plays? He can't. We have to make God's word a daily part of our family routine, and then we have to make family prayer a daily part of our family routine, even if that's the last thing that you do. When you're, when you're cuddling your, bed, your kids at nighttime, you're cuddling your wife at nighttime, that's a good time for prayer. Now, it's great to start the day with prayer, too. It's great to start God's... Uh, your, your day with God's word. But if we do anything, set the tone for rest to help your kids wind down and to understand the comfort of their home, the security of their home, and just spend a few moments in prayer as a family. And it's going to radically change your family. And then finally, husbands, fathers, you would better make your own personal time with the Lord a priority over all of this. That has to come first. Your spouse is important. Your kids are important. Your relationship with the Lord has to come first. And it needs to. So before you can expect to do any of this, you have to spend time between you and the Lord and God's word. And you know what? A good time for this might be in the car on your way to work. Get you, get you some sermon podcasts. Get you some worship music. Get you some scripture just being read to you in the car. Start with that. Pray while you're in the car. But that's got to come first. And next, I'm going to preface this by saying, I'm a guy. I'm a husband. I may not have the world's greatest advice. I'm just trying to take what scripture says and give some encouragement. But wives and mothers, you need to support your husband. You need to love well. And you need to lead well. Believe it or not, your husband needs help. God created Eve to be an effective helper to Adam. That doesn't mean that Adam is superior to his wife. That is not what scripture means. I know feminists jump all over this idea that women should support and submit to their husbands. That is not what that means. If husbands are leading well, 
and loving well, then that is not a dictatorship in the household. That is a partnership, and, and that's, that's the way that it's designed. Your husband needs help, and that's scandalous, I know. He isn't perfect, and he doesn't know everything. There are things that your family needs that he has no clue how to provide. Sometimes he's going to need help leading the family. And I know, I know, the husband is called to be the head, whatever it is. But sometimes your husband's going to come down with something called the man flu. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. Sharon, you know what I'm talking about. Well, your husband comes down with a common cold, and he can't function at all. He's useless. He needs your help. There are, and I know that that's kind of a joke, but there are legitimately times in the household where, where your husband may, may walk through depression, where your husband may be facing anxiety, he may be sick, he may be tired and exhausted, and, and sometimes we, we need you to step up and help us lead. Sometimes he's going to make bad decisions. Sometimes your husband's not going to make good choices. It will happen. We are not that smart. After all, it is very clear that women, that you married your husbands for their body. Sometimes you're wiser. Okay, okay. Most of the time, you're wiser. Most of the time, you're smarter. And almost all the time, you are just as qualified as a decision maker. The husband has the final say because he's the head of the house and he's going to answer. He has responsibility for that. But you're not worthless. You are equally worthy to lead and help in the family. Your husband and your kids, they need you to love well. We need you to be patient with us. And your kids need you to be a wonderful mother. And man, that... I can't think of anybody that has, has had as big of an impact in my life spiritually as my mom. followed by my grandmother. You're important, and we need you, and we can't function without you, without your love. Because if there's one person in, in, in our lives that is going to mirror to us what it feels like to be loved unconditionally by the God of the universe, it is you. It is you, the mom. And likewise, it's you, the wife. We need you. Parents, so combined, prioritize time together with your family. If there's one thing that, one blessing that we can take away from COVID, it is the ability that we've been given to spend as much time together as a family unit as possible. Listen to me. There is nothing that compares to the importance of time spent with your family. You know, a few years ago, Sharon gave me um, the, the, the independence to go and play hockey on a hockey team. And you know, I played for a couple of years. It was a ton of fun. I loved playing on the lightsabers in Fort Worth. It was great. But when Lincoln was born, things just started to change and my priority changed. And I realized that I wanted to be home with my family, with both of my kids. And, and, and it would come time for game night and I'd be like, no, I just want to stay here and, and cuddle with my kids. That's why I quit hockey. You got to prioritize time with your family and you got to prioritize quality time. Next, be completely involved in the moment. 
Spouses, stay off your phones. Parents, stay off your phones. This is hard. I am so guilty of this. But don't have one foot in the door and one foot out the door at home. Don't have one foot still at work. Don't have one foot involved in whatever's going on on your phone. If you're out to dinner, don't take a long phone call from somebody that you don't need to. Unless it is an absolute emergency, you need to be investing in that time with your family, not somebody that's not in your family. You wouldn't do you wouldn't do that on a date. Imagine when you're 21 years old and you're on a date with this super hot girl and and she's she is giving you all of her attention. Guys, would you answer a phone from your mother as much as you love her in the middle of that conversation? No. Would you answer a phone from your boss? No. Would you answer a phone from your coworkers? No. And that's okay. You can call them back. They can leave a voicemail. So don't do that to your own family. Invest in the most important people in your lives, and that is your family. If you're single, okay, and I know that some of you guys are, some of you girls are, all of my students, you're not married, so you're single, even if you're dating somebody. I got something to tell you too. You're not, I'm not forgetting about you. Diagnose who you would call your family. If you're in high school, your family's your parents. It's your siblings. If you're in college, you're a young adult, you still have a family. You can also prepare and you can pray for your future spouse. You can prepare and you can pray for your future children. You can make decisions now that will set you up to, to better enjoy and, and be more responsible and to have more fruitful relationships with those people. You can do that now. Coming back to our faith, though. Psalm 127, verse 1. Flip with me there. Psalm 127, verse 1. It says, Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. Unless the Lord builds your house, the builders will labor in vain. You will labor in vain. Unless the Lord is the foundation of your marriage, you're going to work in vain. Unless the Lord is the foundation of your home as a parent, you're going to work in vain. You have to make time with Jesus. You have to allow Jesus to transform you into a Christ-like parent. You have to trust him. And you have to understand that you cannot do this alone. You need your spouse but you also definitely need Jesus. Lastly, everyone here needs to hear this. Family's hard. Being married is hard. Being a parent is hard. Not every day is going to be a win, and not every moment is going to be what we dreamed of for so many years. Some years are going to have more failures than they have victories. Some years are going to have more failures than we could have ever imagined possible. But our God is a God who loves us. Our God is a God who has promised us eternal salvation. And he's promised us eternal victory. He is on our side. And he fights our battles. So you are not alone. You will never be alone. I know this sermon was entitled Open Letter. And this is where I got this from. So I've got an open letter to you as mom. And I've got an open letter to you as a father. And I want to get this right, so I'm going to read it. 
Um, but it, it says this, and this is from my heart. Mom, I see you. I'm not going to pretend like I have a clue what it is to be like you. The price you pay to take care of your children, to take care of your husband, to take care of your own parents. You are a treasure. You are the greatest part of this planet. You are my hero. Nothing would operate without you. Moms, I know how hard you are working for your family. I know how much you love and how much you fight for your kids with everything that you have. And you are destroying the evil one. You are destroying Satan with every prayer you make and every kiss you give. Every time you tuck your kids into bed, every time you hug your son or your daughter, every time you pack a lunch or drive your kids to practice or school, or you correct them when they do something dumb, you are killing it. You are a fighter, so keep going. Keep loving like only a mom can, because only a mom can. There is a treasure waiting for you in heaven, in heaven that you can't even fathom. Your job is hard. And I know that your calling as a mom is unbearable at times. But it's worth it. And you are so good at being the mom that God's called you to be. So don't doubt yourself. Don't for one second let the evil one invade your mind and tell you that you are worthless. That you're a terrible mother. Because you're not. God has empowered you to take care of his children. Remember that. Just like God gave Mary the task of raising Jesus, he has called you to raise your own children. The children that he created, the children that he loves. He's given you that responsibility. Don't let Satan convince you otherwise. Be open with your husband. Be honest with your husband. Be patient with him. Part of his job is to carry your burdens, to relieve your pain, to walk with you in your struggle. So give him a chance to help. Give him a chance to guide you and to lead you to, his, to God's throne. Mom, moms, wives, sometimes we're really bad at guessing what's going on. So tell us. And don't be mad when we don't know. Don't be mad when we don't get it. We just don't know. We don't know what it's like to be you. Encourage your husband. Push him to worship with you. Push him to read scripture with you. If it seems like he's absent or uncaring, if it seems like your husband is cold, it might be that he is so overwhelmed right now that he doesn't have any clue how to be how to operate beyond just carrying all that weight by himself. You hear that? Sometimes we're not being cold and distant on purpose. Sometimes your husband is walking with so much that he doesn't he just flat out doesn't know how to operate beyond carrying all that weight. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just give your husband a great big hug followed by a great big kiss with these six words. You are doing a great job. I don't know how much you can understand how valuable that is as a husband and a father to hear that from his best friend and spouse. So say it often. I know it is hard to lift up your big guy when it seems like he's a tornado in your house that you're keeping clean. I know what your husband is like. I promise you, my wife has a harder husband to love than you do. We don't need much, but encouragement, we're dying for it. Dads, okay, from me to you, I see you. 
I understand you. I am you. You are working so hard for your family and, and you're rocking it. I know how tough it is to raise children right now. Anytime. Especially during a pandemic. Pandemic. I know you're stressed. I know you have anxiety that you don't feel you can carry. I see your struggle. We've been carrying these burdens all on our, all on our own for far too long. You don't have to. You don't have to carry those burdens by yourself. Lay them down before Jesus. Share your struggle with your wife. It's okay. It's biblical. It's necessary. If you're tired, if you're worried about money, know that I am too. If you're worried about our country, I am too. If you feel like you're drowning, so do I. If you feel like you're alone, like you have to carry the world on your shoulders to protect your family from everything that's going on, we all do. It's okay. It's going to be okay. Being a dad is, is hard. Being a husband is harder. But it's worth it. And it is absolutely worth every single second. So work with everything that you have, especially for the small moments. When your kids won't go to sleep, just let them sit by you on the couch a little bit longer. When your kid's making a mess, go have some fun with them. Embrace the mess. When your kids are screaming at each other, praise the Lord that you have a chance to be a parent. When your kids are hurting, don't question your ability to parent. Just hold them like you would want God to hold you, like you would want your father to hold you. Hold them. Love them, teach them, take joy in them. In your wife, oh, she is the great love of your life. And I know that even though that may be true, marriage is hard. It is a daily, moment-to-moment -moment battle to live with a person that long, to be that close to somebody for that long, to share a bathroom with somebody for that long, Turning lights off every single second. Finding hair everywhere. Dealing with insecurities and, and, and probing. It's a chore. I know it is. But you know what? She is the greatest part of your life, and you better never forget that. God created you to love that woman. And in fact, the model of marriage is the very picture of his love for you, that he would love you. So much that as his bride, he would willingly endure the cross and all of that pain for you, just for you, because he loves you. And that is the love that you owe your wife. And you know what? There's nothing better in this life than giving that love to your wife. Loving her with every fiber in your body, giving her all of you just like Jesus gave himself for you. Serve your wife. Guide your wife. Be patient with your wife. Enjoy her. Serve her. Love her. Serve her. Serve her. Serve your wife. This is what we're working for. 1 John 3-4 says, It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. Moms, Dads, 
husbands, wives. This, this is the great calling. And that when we see that our children are walking in the truth, when we see that our children are walking with the Lord, that we would have no greater joy than to hear about it. So um, we don't have an altar today for you to come before, um, but, but, but dads, I, I want to challenge you this. Husbands, I want to challenge you to this. Pray with your family right now. Right now. Whoever's in your house with you, gather them all together. Great big family hug and pray. I don't know what it is that God's leading you to pray for, but I know that God's leading you to pray. God, we love you so much. We thank you for your cross. We thank you for the call um, to family that you would forever grant us more and more and more um, characteristics of Jesus so that we can love better. You are so good to us. Thank you. Thank you for the cross, Lord, and thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. See you guys. Mm -hmm.